We'll be in John 14 today. I was talking with somebody the other day, and it was uh, interesting that um, they've been away from the Lord for a while, and they asked me, they said, well, I want to start reading the Bible. Where should I start? And what I tell everybody is that uh, if you want the Bible 101, start in the book of John, because we see Jesus uh, clearly, we see his purpose, and we see his plan. So uh, as we begin to get started, uh, Nathan, I think the mic's a little hot for uh, the, I don't know whether you got the, the pulpit on or uh, the, the wireless itself. So anyway, we're, we're good. Uh, Trista's not feeling well today. When Trista feels not so well, everybody's in the tizzy <laughs> because she runs everything from up in the, uh, the loft. But Nathan is, is more than comparable uh, and is uh, very blessed. We're blessed to have him and Jody as well. So uh, we'll go ahead and begin in our passage as we look at knowing Jesus and knowing peace. And uh, you've probably seen this in the form of a, a shirt or a bumper sticker. This is not a, a new concept, but you have no Jesus, no peace. But then in that same sentence, you have, if there is no Jesus, there is no peace. And we explore that today in the chapter of John 14. And so what we see here is it's time to take off the training wheels. Uh, For those of you who were taught to ride a bicycle, uh, can you remember back to the time when uh, the hesitation that you felt when whoever was teaching you to ride a bike, they'd say, okay, now it's time to take off the training wheels. Huh? Huh? And maybe some of you that have taught your sons or daughters or somebody how to ride a bike, you're probably thinking in the back of your mind, boy, we don't need to take the training wheels off. But if I don't, they'll never learn how to ride a bike. How many of y'all have taught somebody how to ride a bike? How, is that fun? It's probably heart-wrenching. How many of y'all remember being taught to ride a bike? Oh, yeah, I remember that. Anybody here cannot ride a bike? Well, if, okay, if you can't ride a bike, there's plenty of people that raise their hand that taught somebody. Go see them. And if you can't get that, I'll teach you. Um, but just have lots of band-aids and a helmet, okay? Uh, but uh, the thing is, uh, this is a cute little girl that uh, thanks to uh, the, one, the wonders of Google, I was able to find an image that I could use, a uh, license free of this cute little girl looking back, and she's got her training wheels on, but... Do you remember when you mustered up enough courage to get on that bike? And and maybe even you fell a couple of times, but ultimately you took uh, your hands to the handlebars and you sat on the seat and then all of a sudden you thought somebody was back there holding you, pushing you, and you realized, I got this! Ah! And boom, you crash. (laughs) But after a couple of crashes and after a few times without the training wheels, you learn how to use the bike, how to ride the bike without training wheels. And that's the beauty of training is that we have parameters that teach us how to act in the real situation. So what I want you to see today in this passage, uh, as we said last week, Jesus' earthly ministry has discontinued as far as the miracles and the, uh, the healings and those types of things. Now the cross is ever present more than it ever has been. And today we see Jesus taking the training wheels off of the disciples. 
And the first thing we see that that knowing Jesus means that we are that we are and will be with God. Let's read verses one through six. And uh, I'm sure that that these verses are going to be memorable to you, Uh, especially we hear these verses a lot during funerals. And we hear these verses a lot when we talk about God's provision. But let's read verses one through six. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. And then, no, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? There again, Thomas, the one that, that always asked what everybody else was thinking. And Jesus says in verse 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, that's what my Bible says. What does your Bible say? No one. Amen. There's Pauline stealing my thunder again. I love it. But that's right. No one comes to the Father. No one. Except through me. Jesus here is addressing the anxiety of him going away. Notice the the second word in John 14 is a big word for me. Not that I can't pronounce it, but I have a hard time applying it. It says, don't let. I underlined in, in the Bible that I was reading, let. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God also in me. Have you ever been anxious about the future? Have you ever not had all the cards spelled out for you? Well, I haven't either. And it's very easy to get distressed when we feel Now, notice the word I said feel. When we feel like Jesus is not with us. That's what the disciples were about to feel. Jesus is leaving them. I can't imagine what they were thinking. And and here Jesus is not scolding the disciples. He's not giving them a reprimand. But he is trying to encourage them in this fact. This is what Jesus is trying to encourage in the disciples And my friend, he's trying to encourage it in you and I as well. And it is this. Believe in him and trust in him for all your future needs. Look, when I preach this to you, I'm, I'm living this. You are living this. We need to believe in Jesus for the future. Jesus knew what it felt like to be troubled. Jesus was troubled by everyone's lack of faith. When uh, he went to Lazarus' grave, he was troubled that his betrayer was in the midst of him during the foot washing ceremony. And the Lord said, it still blows my mind. We talked about this last week. Jesus washed Judas's feet. We don't talk about that in church, but that how many opportunities did Jesus give Judas to come clean? I just 
That's not in the sermon. It just blows my mind. It still, still gets me. But we need to believe Jesus is who he claimed to be. Because, see, the disciples were still on that track of figuring out who Jesus was. But here we go. Faith in Jesus gives peace in the midst of adversity. In the midst of the verse, it doesn't necessarily take it away, but it does give us peace in the midst of adversity. That's like the other night. We got some rain on our side of town, and it's crazy here in Anderson. Sundays, Holman Park will get flooded, and over in the, the north side of town or somewhere else, it's dry as a bone, and vice versa. It's crazy, isn't it? But, but that day, I believe we all got wet. And the thing is, is that I, I can... Go back to times and think, God, I am so grateful for this roof over my head. I have slept in homes. I have slept in hotels. And yes, I have even slept in chicken shacks. Yeah, chicken shacks with a metal roof and still thinking, thank God for the shelter. Folks, Jesus is our shelter in the storm. He doesn't take away the storm, but He is our shelter. And faith in Jesus gives peace in the midst of adversity. And then we see here in this passage, Jesus promises a place where we will be with Him again. This this passage brings so much hope to anyone saying goodbye to a loved one, whether in death, in being left behind. This passage forces all who read it to face this reality. It, 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 it forces us when we read this passage to face our mortality. Folks, every one of us in here is going to die at some point. Woo, that's happy. Yeah, let's praise Jesus. Let's have a chorus. We're all going to die. That, 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 that'll be we'll do four chords and a chorus and a hook and we'll... We'll make millions on it, right? No. Yeah, what a day that'll be. They've already written them. But you know, even that song, what a day that'll be. It's because of this passage. This passage says that Jesus say, look, I'm going away with you. But look, I'm not leaving you. I've just got something else to do. And when we catch up again, look at what I'm going to be doing for you. All believers are destined to live in our Father's house. Remember he says in here, I'm going to my Father's house. All believers are destined to be in the Father's house. A London newspaper held a contest one time to determine the best definition of what a home is. And you can imagine some of the definitions they got, but here's the winning definition. The winning definition said, Home is a place where you can be treated the best and complain the most. Home is where you can be treated the best and and, uh, complain the most. Folks, we will be in our Father's house. When it says we will be in our Father's house, we will dwell with Him. And just like in the Old Testament where God dwelt among his people in the tabernacle, we will dwell. We will be with God. And there is enough room for anyone, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus and to proclaim his truth. Folks, I don't know about you, but if you've ever used like a GPS or something like that, the, the waypoint is set. Our destination is set. 
our destination is heaven. And then uh, we see that uh, Jesus communicates his mission in verse 6, where he says, Jesus is the way. There's three things here. What does he say? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Right? Let's look at those three things real quick. By him saying that he is the way, he's not being intolerant. He's not being unloving. He's loving us enough to let us know you can try a million ways to get eternal life. You can try a million ways to figure out what's going to happen after you draw your last breath. But let me help you out here. I am the only way to salvation. And there are people that have spent their lives fighting that. There are people that will spend eternity separated from God and all of his people because they rejected Jesus Christ and they will be in a place churches don't like to talk about called hell, which is a place of death and separation for an eternity. Just like we get heavenly bodies that are going to help us be in heaven, however great that's going to be. Those who do not know Jesus Christ will get their Afterlife bodies that will be made to endure punishment non-stop for an eternity. It's not that God hates us. It's not God is being close-minded. He's saying, I don't want that for you. So let me tell you how to get there. I am the way. And then we see Jesus is the truth. We see in the Old Testament, God is called truth in the book of Psalm 31, 5. And we can see Jesus' words in the New Testament where he talks about himself being the truth. If, if, if Jesus is the truth, you know what James says about Satan? In John eight forty four, not James, but John. What John says about Satan is that he is the father of lies. So you have Jesus who is the way, the truth, and you have Satan who is the father of lies. So Jesus is the way, the truth, and then he is the life. Have you, ever asked, have you ever asked yourself this? I wonder what the meaning of life is. Maybe that bumper sticker is right, that he who dies with the most toys wins. You ever seen that one? He who dies with the most toys wins? Or he who dies with the most toys and the most that he can get wins? What do you win? What do you win if you have, every, you have prestigious titles? What do you win if you leave behind a huge bank account? What do, you leave, what, what do you win if you leave behind all of these great earthly treasures? Folks, you can't take it with you. There are no U-Hauls in heaven. Thank God, I hate driving those things. Those things are a mess, but we're a great form, right? But he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. How do we know that? John 1, 4. When we first started this series through John, John 1, 4 says, The Word gave life to everything that was created. You just breathed a breath of air in your lungs because Jesus Christ created you to do so. You have life today because Jesus was in on the creation of that. Well, we see that no sinner can have eternal life without Jesus because Jesus is eternal life. And the second thing we see is that knowing Jesus means knowing God. 
Knowing Jesus means knowing God. Remember, the disciples, most of them were still diehard Jewish believers that, that they have been ingrained and they have been taught to love God and to know God. And so this takes on a greater meaning when Jesus tells them, look, if you know me, you know God. And then verses 7 through 11, let's take a, a moment and read those. He says, Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Remember, he asked, you know, who are you? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. This is the same message he had been preaching to the Jewish Pharisees and the religious leaders. He was saying, look, you, you, you claim that you don't know who I am, but that you know God. If you knew God, you would know me. So here's the thing. Let me, let me break it down a little bit more, more simple or try to put it this way. How do we know what God is like? Well, we read his word, right? We worship him. We sit in pews and listen to sermons. We go out and we serve him. And we see him. But, but how do we know when we interact with him? How, how, do, we, how do we know how he handles it? How do we know that, that we're talking to him? And the thing is, is that Jesus is saying, look, it's a whole big deal of what we call the incarnation. Jesus incarnate. That means God put on skin and walked among us so we could know what God is like. Look, if I were to go out today, if I were to go out there today and there were a bunch of dogs over, we've got a neighbor that's got a bunch of dogs in their yard. If they were all to get out at one time, I could go to the parking lot, I could scream, "Get back in the pen, dogs! Get back in the pen!" They wouldn't know what I was saying. I could even try to talk their language. They'd probably go, "What's wrong with that guy?" And do do whatever. But it would, take, it would take a dog or their master or somebody that they knew to get them back where they needed to be. Folks, we were, we were unable to be in God's presence. We were unable to see him. Just look at the Old Testament of the people that, that tried to see God. And they couldn't because he was so high and he was so mighty. We see God through Jesus Christ. The disciples wanted to know God. Now, the, the term know here is more than just, hey, two plus two is four. To know God is to, to have an intimate knowledge of him. So, what's the application here? Because of Jesus, we can know God's character. We can know God's love. We can see his anger and his compassion and his healing and his judgment. Because let me tell you what, knowing of Jesus is not the same as having a personal relationship with him. Folks, you realize there are atheists out there today that know the Bible better than some of the best Christians in the world do? Do you know that there are college professors that they eat freshman church kids in their religious 
um, lecture halls. They eat their lunch semester after semester after semester because they know more about what the Bible says. But it is devoid of faith. It is devoid of the gospel. And it is devoid of any kind of hope. I can remember sitting in some college classes thinking, they're teaching this Bible like a history book. And it is a history book, but the power comes in the faith. Knowing Jesus is not the same as having a personal relationship with him. And then the third thing we see is that knowing Jesus means knowing the power of prayer. This is what I was alluding to a little bit in our our prayer time this morning that I wanted to kind of uh, bring out a little bit in verses 12 through 14. I tell you the truth, and this is Jesus speaking because it's in quotes. And if you have a red letter Bible, they make it real easy because it's written in red, right? He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. That needs some explanation. Because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for what in my name? What does he say? What does your Bible say in there? You can ask for what? Anything. If I want a speckled puppy, can I ask him for it? Absolutely. We can ask, we can ask him for anything, right? In my name, and I will do it. Mm, there's that in my name thing that, that really, really qualifies our prayers. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. First of all, in verse 12, he says, If you pray, you will do greater works than me. This is not Jesus telling the disciples And not telling you and I that if we pray, we can do bigger things than Jesus. How do you get bigger than resurrection? You don't. By him saying, you will do greater works, means that they would do more powerful and impressive works, but not greater than Jesus, but it meant that that the disciples would spread the work. In other words, greater work means more work. Not greater in significance, but just taking the word to the world. To spread the word, to begin the church, and take Jesus to the world. Think about it. As of 2010, this is seven years ago, Christianity was by far the world's largest religion with an estimated 2.2 billion Adherence, nearly 31% of 6.9 billion people in the world. Starting from 12 people, that's pretty impressive. Greater works. You will do greater works. So, let me show you something about prayer that I found out through this. Prayer is asking Jesus first. Prayer is asking Jesus first. We ask in His name... And we ask for the glory to go to God. So, by doing this, understand what does it mean to ask a prayer request in His name? It's more than just tagging Jesus on your prayer request. Folks, 
You will know true power in prayer if you quit going through your laundry list of what you want and start praying in His name. If you start praying for His will to be done. If you start praying in accordance to what the Scriptures say. Look, God might, God might not be interested in giving me a speckled puppy. Even though I pray for it. God might not be interested in getting me that opportunity that I want. God may not be interested in growing my bank account. God may not be interested in my comforts. Just because I pray for it. But I guarantee you what. Anything that I ask in Jesus' name that is in accordance to God's word. Jesus says it will be done. So quit going to Jesus with your Santa Claus list of everybody you want him to fix with your medical problems. And start praying scripture. Start praying God's word. Let's pray God's will in the life of somebody that's needing healing. That needs help with, with whatever diagnosis they have. Look, that's important. But folks, one day our bodies are going to die, rot, and fade away. No matter how hard we pray. What are we missing if we stop praying for our community? What are we missing if we stop praying, God, give me the opportunity to share the gospel. I don't know exactly what I'm going to say, and I'm going to be scared to death. But Lord, I know that if you give me the opportunity, I will be bold, and I will say what you put in my mouth. That's a bold prayer. A bold prayer is, God, I don't know why you're doing this, but I'm going to hold on until you show me why. That's praying in His name. Praying in His name to say, God, I expect you to show up at church. And I expect you to do great things in my life, in the life of this church. And Lord, we are claiming that, proclaiming it, and counting on it. That's praying in accordance to Jesus' name. When we pray in Jesus' name, that qualifies our request. It qualifies us in saying, it's not about what I want, God, but it's about I want what you want. That is when you will unlock the key to powerful prayer in your life. God, I want what you want. And then, at some point, he will answer. And the answer is that whatever happens, God is going to get the glory. Folks, I've got news for you. I've, I've prayed before, and I've got yes answers. And I'm happy about those. But folks, I've prayed before and got not the answer that I wanted. But it's the answer that God got the glory from. If you want to unlock your prayer life, ask in His name and expect whatever the answer is for God to get the glory. Because i got news for you. God's not interested in your comfort. Folks, you serve a Savior that died on a cross. And we're worried about our comfort. We are to take up our cross daily and follow Him. We do that through love, devotion, and prayer. But also we see later on, like around verse 26, we see that we don't have to do this alone. He sends us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that is prompting your heart 
this morning to quit thinking about the pot roast you have on our own. Or he better, he better quit because we, we got to get our place in line down to Redwood. Or over across the street or Cracker Barrel's got a special today. He needs to be quiet. Look, I know everybody's hungry. But folks, there's a different hunger that we need to feed. That is a spiritual hunger. And then, so we don't have to do it alone. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And then we see that knowing Jesus means knowing peace in adversity. Verses 27 to 29. Read with me. I am leaving with you a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Oh, there are days where I just wanted God's peace. And he says, I'm leaving you peace of mind. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away. But I will come back to you again. And if you really love me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. Folks, I'll tell you what. When the sky splits and Jesus Christ comes back, a lot of this stuff's going to make more sense, isn't it? Absolutely. But here's the thing. Everyone in here has got a troubled heart. I go back to that first verse we studied today. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Folks, that is an action that we must take to say, Satan, I am not going to listen to you. You can go to hell where you belong. And I'm not going to start thinking those negative thoughts. I am not going to be troubled. You are nothing but a barking dog on a chain that is held by my Savior. And so you can bark all you want, but I'm going to hold on to him. I'm not going to let him, the Satan, I'm not going to let Satan trouble me. Because only Jesus brings peace. We see that in Isaiah 9-6, where it says, For unto us a child is born. He'll be wonderful counselor. And what? Prince of peace. But when G- when, where is Jesus when you are not at peace? The question is, he's right there. But we need to not let ourselves be troubled. Dr. James M. Gray put it beautifully in a song. Who could mind the journey when the road leads to home? Who could mind the journey when the road leads to home? Folks, if you want to know the true peace of Christ, we need to let our hearts not be troubled. And we see near the end of this passage that time is not unlimited. Just as the time has come for Jesus to go on the cross, so his time will be for his return. So to truly know Jesus and to know peace, even in a world like ours, without Jesus, there is no real peace. There will not be peace in our lives in our families, in our churches, in our government, in our world, without Jesus being lifted up. We need Jesus now more than ever. And we need his peace. You need his peace today. And folks, there is nothing better we could do with our lives but to share Jesus with this world.
So it could, be, it could bring peace to this world. I got to tell you, there is no Republican, Democrat, independent, or foreign power, or crazy nuclear armed leaders that are going to be bring peace to this world. Only Jesus Christ will bring that. And we celebrate that today in the Lord's Supper.